the Lord. Oh, glory. I, I, I wanted to say that Shelly was eight years old, and she was spirit-filled in a Shekinah Glory meeting. And ever since that meeting, the Spirit of God was working her heart. And then she kept coming around, having some, somebody bring her to our services when we'd go in the area. She's from Florida. And uh, Shelly's a little beach girl. And, um, you can sit down. You can sit down. And Shelly um, grew in the Lord. Her mother kept her in church. Uh, even though her parents went through a divorce, her mother was a strong Christian, kept her in church. But I want to explain something about Shelly. Is that uh, she, she came to Rama. She, she stayed with us. She asked the Lord if she could work with us and travel with us. And um, Shelly was, was one of the most popular girls in school. She had athletic scholarships. She was in drama. She was always happy, always funny. Um, and she never, ever fell into the temptation that other kids fall into. That's cool. Now, I'm not saying that to condemn someone, you know. I'm not saying that that. I'm saying that it's possible. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? So when uh, Miss Jan said that it was such a, a, you know, wonderful vessel to have, you know, I'm telling you, she walks the walk and talks the talk, and she's excited. Most, one of the most popular girls in school. And she wasn't ashamed for Christ. Isn't that cool? Hallelujah. And today even she'll go into schools and she don't care what anybody thinks of her. She could give a big fat rip. Who cares? I care more about what Jesus thinks of you. Hallelujah. So, uh, and she was honored to be here. Well, praise God. The glory's here, isn't it? How many were here last night? Any, some of you kids here last night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I know, I recognize some of you running around the church. Hallelujah. Running the devil off. Said, get out, get out, get out, get out. Amen. Yeah, glory to God. Christians are the most happiest people on the face of the earth. Christians are the most peaceful people on the face of the earth. I'm not talking about we don't believe in war. I'm talking about peace on the inside, in the middle of a war. Christians are the most giving people on the face of the earth. Christians are the most um, um, unselfish people on the face of the earth. And when we sing, and when we talk, and when we minister, and no matter where we're at, we always have a smile on our face. Some of you need to inform yourself of that right yeah. now. Some of you need to. Romans, and, actually, Romans 12. Some of you, and when we sing to the Lord, we go, how great is our God. Yes, amen. And you can do it when you're five. You can do it when you're 12. doesn't matter. You don't have to grow up. Wait to grow up. Just always have. You do have to grow up. But I'm saying is you. But, but you don't have to wait I'm saying is, to grow up. There's a time to be somber. But you know what? Mostly Christians are the most joyful people on the face of the earth. Yes. Some of you need to inform yourself of that. So wait a minute. Some of you don't look too joyful. All right, kids. Okay. Now listen. Okay. Hold the fort. I'm not going to do anything different with kids than I do with adults. 
Okay? All right. You're the most joyful people on the face of the earth. Yeah. There you go. Right. I saw a little bit of it. Yes. Don't ever let your flesh tell you what you're going to do. Now, learn it while you're young so you don't have to fight when you're older. You know, my parents, they're not like that. Well, then you change the atmosphere of your house. If your parents wake up grumpy, you walk through and go, Glory to God, Mom. Glory to God, Dad. All right? You change the atmosphere of your house, okay? Hallelujah. Maybe it should be reversed, but if it's not, don't cry about it. Just change it. Okay, so today, uh, Romans 12 says to be fervent in spirit. I like what one, when you serve the Lord, one translation says, uh, never be lacking in spiritual zeal. In other words, be, one translation says, be aglow with the spirit. I like what it says in one place uh, in, in Romans 12 where it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. It says, learn to laugh with your friends when they're happy. So, you know, you just got to get where you can easily rejoice. You know, I found out if you don't learn how to rejoice, you will not learn the secret to great faith. People who understand how to walk by faith know how to rejoice in the Lord. So at, right now, just as an exercise, I know we sang a while ago, but... That was uh, a great song, by the way. That was really good. It was wonderful. In fact, learning to worship the Lord, you know, really... It's just how much you love Jesus. That's what, it, that's what makes you want to worship the Lord. But right where you are right now, before we do anything else, just everybody lift your hands and say this. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. A new person. A new person. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. I'm not the same anymore. I'm not the same anymore. Close your eyes and say, say this now. Close your eyes and say, I've got. I've got. The life of God. The life of God. In me. In me. The same life. The same life. That raised Christ from the dead. That raised Christ from the is dead. Is in me. Is in me. Now. 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 Say right now. Right now. I'm not waiting for it. I'm not waiting for I it. I got it. I got it. Hallelujah. Now shout. Go woo. Hallelujah. Well, this song is one of our favorite songs. Because I'll tell you, it tells you who you are. The Bible says you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You, Lord. Now, when you were walking then, if you had a sickness, would you walk? We, we weren't just walking to be silly. When I was walking, I said, I'm strong. I'm thinking I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. My mother's healed. My mother's healed. My mother's healed. My brother's free. My brother's free. Anybody My got my country is free. Yeah. My country is free. Amen. In other words, you're not just walking to be silly. You're walking for something. Yeah, We're not just running your around. Faith. We're not just running around the room to be silly. We're running for something. We're running because we're free. We're walking. Yeah. I'm free. I'm free. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. I'm bold. I'm bold. Even if you don't feel like it, I'm bold. I'm bold. No, listen. No matter what you feel, you walk for something. Maybe, maybe you have a sick dad. Maybe somebody's going through a divorce. Uh, you know, maybe you heard somebody die. You know, the peace, they have peace. You walk, you do something. You dance, you run, you shout, you sing for something. Every time I do something, it's for a reason. <laughs> and, and pretty soon, 
you quit thinking about yourself. Do you know selfish people are the ones who think about themselves? Well, what do I look like? What will people think of me? Nobody cares. Because everybody else is wondering what they think of them. What you think of them. We always tell people, if you knew how little people really thought of you, it wouldn't bother you. Every, everybody else is wondering what, you know, they're not thinking of you. You're the only one thinking of you. Hallelujah. But we're all Christians. We all love God. We're free. We don't care. We, listen, this morning, this morning, that walk of faith right there, you don't know. We don't know everything that's going on in the spirit. It might have it might have broken something off the United States of America for their yes. election. You don't always know. That's why you have to live in the spirit. Because the spirit of God knows. You won't always know in your head. But you can know in your heart. Amen. Oh, I'm doing something in the spirit world. I'm making a difference. My life is making a difference. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Now you got it, you understand? Like you say, well, why do you do what you do? There's a purpose. Oh, I'm strong in the Lord. I'm going to finish. I'm going to preach the gospel to the world. That's what I'm really saying when I'm walking. I'm going to go to every nation. I'll talk to people at the grocery store. I'll talk to them in the bay. I don't care, Lord. I'm your, I'm your witness. I'm your voice. Use me, Lord. Strengthen me, God. Hallelujah. I can do all things. I'm walking. Devil, you're a liar, and I'm kicking you out. Did everybody see Shelly's two-year-old daughter? Well, we went to the back door of the house the other day, and I said, let's kick the devil out. And so I opened the door, and I kicked the devil, and she said, kick the devil. She kicked the devil out. <laughs> now, don't kick a person out. Yeah. And she said, I kicked the devil out. You know what? She's growing up and learning how to do that. And she was coughing, and I said, we're not coughing. The sickness is leaving our body. She said, get out, devil. Get out, sickness. Anybody yeah, 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 yeah. Have you ever danced in the Holy Ghost? Oh, yeah. And listen, and listen, the cool thing is all you guys are in the same boat. It's not like you're at a public school. Everybody's staring at you. You all love God. You're all here. And if you have a friend who pulls you away from the things of God, get away from them. They're not your friend. If you have a friend who makes a joke of everything that's going on in church, get away from them. They're not your friend. They're not your friend. They're your enemy. You said, what do you mean my enemy? I'm saying they're trying to keep you back from the things of God. Because in a because in, 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 in 10 years, you may not even see them again. And then you let somebody else judge and rule the way you act because you're 12 or 13 or 15. Who cares? It's not about an age. It's about how spiritually mature you are. That's what it's about. It's not about how old you are. Who cares what they're doing on TV? They're lost as a goose, most of them. It's about purpose. It's about the Spirit of God dropping in your heart. 
and saying, I want to serve you, God. You know what I did? You know what I did to Anna? I put her up in the window of the big hotel that we were staying in. And there was a lot of cars and people were going back and forth. And I stood her up on that window. Her mother wasn't in the room, praise the Lord. And, um, and she looked out at all the people and I said, Anna, I said, see all those people in all those cars? I said, they either know Jesus or they don't. Now listen to me, Anna. If they don't know Jesus, it's going to be up to your, you and your life to make sure everybody in the world with your life you come in contact with and you pray for that they know Jesus. It's up to you. She said, me, Jesus, people? I said, yes. She was getting it. And I said, that's the purpose for your life. Oh, you might be a secretary. You might be a full-time preacher. You might be in sports. But your life, your job is to tell others about Christ. That's your job. The other thing is just a way to make a living so that you can support the gospel and support your family. But your job in life is to make sure people know Christ. And I said, Anna, look at all those people. Look at them. Baby, it's your job. That's what your job is. That's what your whole life is about, is helping others all your life. Isn't that neat? Yes. Parents, I want to exhort you. If you still have little ones or you're getting ready to have little ones or if you have old ones, you tell them your life is to help others know Christ. That's what you do. You say, you're not the same. You're not like all those kids on TV. You're not the same. You're different. You got God. You got life. Amen. You got it. Now give it. You see what I'm saying? Jesus. Jesus heals. We saw a little girl. She was crippled. And she walked like this. And she was in school. And she was in the marching band. And she couldn't. We prayed for her. And all of a sudden, her legs started straightening up. And she started walking like this. And she went back to the marching band. And they said, what happened to you? She said, I'm healed. Little girl. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus, the name of Jesus. It's powerful, kids. It's more powerful than any other name on the face of the earth. Jesus. Never forget it. Jesus. He's your healer. He's your savior. He'll guide you. He'll help you. He'll be your best friend. Hallelujah. Lois, you want to share something? Are we going to sing another song? We are, but you can sit down for a minute. I got, I want to tell you one thing from the Word of God. There is a story in Luke chapter 19 that tells us the story of a man. How many of you have ever heard the story of Zacchaeus? Do you know who Zacchaeus was? Well, there's some things about the Zacchaeus that I want to give you today. Principles of life that will cause you to live in God's plan. And you know, principles do not change. Methods change, but never let a method take you away from a principle. If a method takes you away from a principle, ditch the method, keep the principle. And you say, I don't even know what a principle is. Well, a principle is an unchanging truth that gives you the foundation to build your life on. Principles are, uh, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection is a principal doctrine of the, of, the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and understanding how to live in the reality of that. There are principles. Proverbs is full of principles of life. But in Luke chapter 19, just real quick here, uh, I want to give you a story of a, a man named uh, Zacchaeus. And in this story, Zacchaeus, uh, let me read it to you out of the, the, I'm going to read it to you out of the New King James Bible. And I don't need that, but I'll pick it up so it won't be in your way. In Luke chapter 19, it says in verse 1 that Jesus went and passed through Jericho. How many of you remember Jericho? Jericho was the place where when they got to the promised land, the place God wanted them to go to, the first city they came to was Jericho. And Jericho was a walled city at that time, trying to hold back the people of God from the place God called them to. But the people of God marched around the city of Jericho, and they marched around it seven times, and they shouted on the seventh day, and the walls fell down. You say, well, that just seems kind of funny to me. You know, I've been in lots of meetings with the move of the Spirit. And most of the time when you start getting really into worshiping God, your head just has a problem with it. Your body and your flesh just do not want to always naturally go the way of the Spirit. But you can tell them what to do. That's the good news instead of them telling you what to do. But so he says, uh, it says that Jesus passed through Jericho. Now, now you, you wouldn't know this if, if you didn't read some other things, but this was his last trip through Jericho. He was on his way to the cross. So it's kind of interesting what happens here because uh, it, 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 everything that happens, Jesus kind of is like, uh, do this quickly and come on, let's get moving. And it's like, come on now, this is your opportunity. Now, Zacchaeus didn't know it was going to be his last opportunity to pass, to uh, Jesus to pass through, but Jesus knew it. And so the Bible says that Jesus uh, came to uh, uh, behold to, to Jericho and there was a man named Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. That's all we know about him <laughs> is that he was a tax collector and he was rich. That means he didn't have a lot of friends, but he had a lot of money. And those two things in and of themselves did not, uh, having a lot of money doesn't say he was sick. Doesn't say he, you know, was in distress. Doesn't say anything about him. Even though he had a position in society that gave him, you know, a lot of money, he was still hungry for Jesus. And sometimes people think that, 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 that if they have a lot of money or they have the right job, that then, you know, Jesus is kind of down on the bottom part. But Zacchaeus, the only thing he wanted to do was see Jesus. And the Bible says that he said he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, because he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was, Jesus was going to pass by that way. Uh, my, my first point for you to, uh, to remember as you're living for God is number one, don't give up when you come to a place where it seems like you don't have what it takes to do what you need to do. Don't give up. Use what you have. Zacchaeus was not tall enough to see over the crowd. He was too short. So instead of sitting back and thinking, you know, I guess it's just not my day. I'm just too little, I'm too stupid, I'm too short, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm not the right color, I'm not the right sex. I'm, he didn't, you will never get where you need to get if all you think about is what you don't have. Oh. You have to use what you have. 
And I found out that people, the reason people don't give up, it's not because they don't have problems, but it's because they use what they have. You say, well, what makes some people give up and other people don't? You know, I mean, I've been in, uh, enough around enough people. Some people will give up over, the, over the, uh, the smallest issue. I mean, they'll just give up because, you know, it's raining today. I didn't like that at all. Somebody else will give up because someone else, you know, said something to them and made it hurt their feelings. They give up. Someone else, you know, will have a tragedy in their life, will have devastation, lose everything, but they don't give up. You know what makes the difference between people who give up and those who don't? They use what they have. They don't cry or, or just stay, uh, uh, de- you know, just de- depressed over what they don't have. They use what they have. And that's the way you come to the place where you can meet with the plan of God for your life. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do have. I always tell people, I don't testify for the devil. Sometimes people just like to always talk about their problems. They got all figured out how come they have their problem. And I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, that, you, you know some things like that understanding doesn't come. But listen to me. If all you do is focus on what's wrong in your life, that's why you're so upset all the time. Everybody has problems. Listen, I could tell you, I bet you I could one-up you every problem you've ever had. But listen to me. The answer that I found in Jesus Christ is greater than any problem I've ever had. And that's what I focus on. Because listen, what you focus on, what you look at, that's where you go. That's why they tell race car drivers, don't ever look at the wall. You know why? Because you go where you look. (laughs) But what's really interesting, there's a really interesting story about using what you have that I read in, in a Reader's Digest several years ago. And this guy that I read this story about, he's actually a Canadian. Hey, hey all right. Hey. He was from... Uh, hey, he was... <laughs> It was, uh, it was in 2005, there was a guy, he was a Canadian, I think he was from Vancouver, sorry about that. Anyway, he said, he said he wondered how far he could get if he played a game, a kid scavenger game on the internet called Bigger and Better, and I don't know, I'd never actually heard of it, but he had. So he sat down with his parents at house in Vancouver, British Columbia, and he took a photo of a little red paper clip and put it on the local Craigslist and said, all he said, this is not red, but it was just a paper clip, just like this. He said, I want to trade this paper clip with you for something bigger and better. Maybe a pen, a spoon, or maybe a boot. If you promise to make the trade, I will come and visit you. And this guy, this Canadian, he actually had someone, it said this person heard about it and they agreed to swap a wooden pin for him that was shaped like a fish for his paperclip. So now he had a wooden pin. The next morning, a guy came and met him at a 7-Eleven and uh, t- promised to, uh, t- took him, he says he promised to make a trade. He had no money, but he said he would trade him in Seattle and he traded him for a little c- ceramic knob. That looked like an ugly, really ugly face. A little knob. He got his knob. The next thing he got was a little two-burner camping stove. The next thing he got after he got a stove was he, he got some kind of... He almost quit because he said he didn't have anything for a long time. He was ready to drop it. But he said he thought he would just put one more. He actually made a blog called OneRedPaperClip.com. 
I'm just talking about using what you have. And so his real, his real desire, he was, I forget how old he was, but his real desire, I think, was to get a house. And he had a paper clip. A paper clip for a house. You say, I don't have much. Do you have a paper clip? And literally, this guy, I won't go through everything he traded for, but he ended up, he traded for a fish pen. He traded for a knob, a camping stove, a gas power generator, a neon beer sign. Okay, we'll keep going. Uh, a, a DJ in Canada. He traded him for a snowmobile, and then he traded him for a a truck, and then a producer traded him for a contract to sing, and then a, a bohemian singer in Phoenix gave him a year's rent in her duplex, and then he got all this stuff, all these different things. He got a, and then he got a rock and roll snow globe with a Kiss Rock Band logo on it. Now, this was really what happened. So, two months after this, he found out about, no, I'm just talking about what he traded for. He found out about this actor who really, really liked snow globes. And so he found out that this guy had this snow globe that was a collector's item. So this guy, this actor said, well, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a part in a movie if you'll give me the snow globe. And that part in the movie led up to him getting uh, a contact with someone else, uh, this three-bedroom house in Kipling. I'm pretty sure it's in Canada or it's in, uh, is it in Canada? It's either in Canada or uh, Washington. I'm not sure exactly where it is. But he said precisely one year after he began his journey, he accepted the keys to a three-bedroom house in Kipling. Out front stood a 12-foot-tall red paperclip that the town had built. I know, isn't that amazing? He was Canadian. Y'all understand that, don't you? And it says, by the time it was over, he said he had over 7 million hits. He had a contract for a book and a deal for a movie. And it started with a little red paper clip. Now listen, you think you don't have anything, but I'm telling you, everybody has something. Use what you have. And what happened when Zacchaeus used what he had? This is what's so interesting about what he did. He didn't give up. Listen, the secret to not giving up is using what you have. If you remember that, when you come to the place where you feel like all you see is a bunch of red paper clips, you remember you might have a house and you just don't know it. You know? You don't know what you have. Listen, I think it's amazing when Jesus told that little boy with three loaves and two fishes, just a little boy. He talked to all the disciples, all the Bible school students. He said, you give them something to eat. They all said, we don't got nothing to give them. He didn't look first of all and say, just let me handle it, boys. He looked to his disciples and said, give them something to eat. And they all said, we don't see nothing here. And then somebody said, there is a little boy that's got, was it five loaves and two fishes? And Jesus said, if that's all you've got, that's all I need. What made the difference? The hand of God, the blessing of the Lord. And the blessing of the Lord, you say, well, it's just so I can have something. It's never, ever just about you. Ever. When you learn the secret of that, that, that in your life, you will become a much happier person. Because if you think it's all about you, when you have a bad day, everything's bad. Everything's bad. It's like that friend of ours who had that, you know, guy he went to school with and he, he while he was asleep, 
He took garlic and put it underneath his nose. Limburger cheese. That's right. Garlic was that other thing. Limburger cheese. I don't, I don't even know. That stinks. I've been to France a lot. They have a lot of stinky cheese. But while he was asleep, he spread it under his nose. His friend woke up. He went, man, something stinks in this room. He walked, up, walked in the, the, the kitchen. He said, man, something stinks in this kitchen. He walked outside. He said, man, the whole world stinks. That's the way you feel, really. The whole world doesn't stink. The stink's right under your nose. You say, well, what's the stink? The stink is you saying, it can't, there's nothing. I have nothing. No, you always have something. If you'll use what you have, that's the secret to not giving up. Amen? Amen. You remember that and you'll go far. Remember, I mean, if a Canadian can use a red paper clip, surely a Christian can use their faith. Amen? Amen. So watch what happened here, though. So it says that uh, um, he came to this place. uh, Jesus had come to Jericho. uh, And now uh, Zacchaeus had gone and climbed a sycamore tree. In other words, it didn't matter if he was too short. He just ran ahead of the crowd. He might have been too short, but he wasn't too slow. Aren't you glad? And he ran ahead of the crowd, climbed up in a sycamore tree. And when he climbed up in a sycamore tree, look at what it says happened here. It says in verse 5 that when Jesus, now look at this. It says when he came to the place. I like what one translation says. It says when uh, Jesus said, hold on. It says when Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. One translation says when Jesus reached the place, he looked up and said, I must stay at your house today. Now you got to understand what happened here. We have no record anywhere of Jesus being introduced to Zacchaeus. We don't know why, really, if you read what was happening here, Zacchaeus is trying to find Jesus, but really Jesus is looking for Zacchaeus. And what did Zacchaeus have to do to get in the place where Jesus would see who he was? He had to use what he had. And once he got in that place, listen, it may have seemed like an accident. Oh, you know, just an idea Zacchaeus had. I think I'll climb a tree. It might have just seemed like an idea. But actually, from this scripture, we know it wasn't just an accident. It was a divine appointment. Because the Bible says when he got to the place, it wasn't just any place. It was the place. And in fact, it said that it really what it means is a determined and appointed place. It wasn't just any place. Zacchaeus, that's, that's, the, that's the whole point about walking by faith and using what you have. You don't always have all the answers. You don't know why you're doing what you're doing. But when Jesus says, hey, Bubba, you know I'm in the right place. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus said, I must go to your house today. You know what Jesus was saying? The reason I got here was so that I could meet with you. And Zacchaeus, listen, now what happens now is Zacchaeus goes, Jesus goes with Zacchaeus to his house. And when he goes with Zacchaeus uh, to his house, Zacchaeus makes haste, comes down joyfully. Everybody who gets in the place that God wants them to get has a lot of joy. And the Bible says that when he got to the place that Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus said to him, 
uh, in verse 8, Zacchaeus said, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore to him fourfold. Zacchaeus decided to, instead of living by his plan, he decided to live by God's plan for his life. And you know how you do that? You don't always have something different when you realize that God is going to work in your life. You know, when, the, when, the, uh, when Zacchaeus, when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, I'm sure Zacchaeus thought that Jesus was going to, you know, in fact, he had, there were religious friends that said, he's going to have, he's going to have a meal with, at a sinner's house. And really what Jesus was doing is Jesus was going because Zacchaeus was making a decision to change. He was no longer living for himself. Now he was living for Jesus. But people couldn't see that. People judge you on what you've done, but Jesus judges you on what he's done. And when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus said, listen, I'm going to use what I have, but he said it this way. I'm not going to use it the same way. I'm going to use it in a different way. Sometimes you're waiting for you to get something different. Not only do you have to use what you have in order to not give up, but when Jesus talks to you about your life, you want to use what you have in a different way. Hallelujah. So that's why sometimes our music is not the same. Sometimes, you know, our, our, what we do, what we say, it's not the same. We can still talk. We can still listen. We can still play music. But we do it. We use it in a different way. It has a different purpose. Instead of serving ourselves, we are serving the plan of God. And Zacchaeus said, instead of me taking from people, I want to give more than I take. I want to give more than I take. Always make a decision to give more than you take. If you make that a principle of your life, to give more than you take, you will have access in people's lives that others won't have. Because when you give more than you take, you make a room for you. People want you to be around. It, you know, people who are always uh, asking others to give what they're unwilling to give themselves, uh -oh, they have a hard time having friends. Oh, there because they're always wanting someone else. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you may have people that will do that for a while, but after a while, it just drains you. You know, you're trying, someone is always trying to get you to, you know, to, to do what you won't do and trying to, you're trying to get them to do what you're unwilling to do. You really aren't on a course where you can develop the plan of God for your life. Yeah, yeah. And so Zacchaeus said, I'll no longer be a taker. I'll be a giver. And this is what Jesus said about Zacchaeus. And this is the scripture that many people will quote uh, concerning what Jesus uh, came to do. But remember, he, came, he said this in relation to a man who made a choice to use what he had instead of giving up and to use it in a different way. And this is what Jesus said to him. Today, salvation has come to this house. This man is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. One translation says it like this. The son of man, Jesus, came to find and restore that which was lost. 
So that's exactly what happens when Jesus begins to reach out to others through you. It looks like people are just a... a, a uh, oh, you know, the, the, it, 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 people of God, sometimes it seems like, I can remember the day when we were outside of New York City and we were uh, singing at a church on 2001, September 9th and 10th, 2001, and we were going to go into New York City on September 11th, 2001. We planned it for months. We had hotel, extra hotel. We had our, changed our plane reservation. We were going to go in the next day. But that night, the night before... The night before, uh, we were having a service at a church, and I looked at the pastor, and I, Cindy was standing there, and I said, you know, they, asked, they were talking about what time to go, ride the ferry, get over into New York, and they said, well, you know, what, we have to leave, you know, get there about 845, which is, you know, into Battery Park, which is right there by the World Trade Center. How many of y'all know what happened at the World Trade Center September 11, 2001? Well, so the night before, I just decided... Uh, I, it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a, a light from heaven shown or anything, but it just a thought. I, I just, I said, you know, I really don't want to go. And Cindy said, oh, you know, that's okay. I won't go either. And usually she would argue about it, but she said, okay. And so the next morning, and my husband, he, you know, obviously if I'm not going, he's not going either. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, but the next morning we woke up and we read about the tragic situation of the, the, the planes that flew into the World Trade Center. And, you know, we knew then why there was just a sense that we just didn't want to go. But, you know, you can't really understand always why you end up making the decision you make. You can't really understand your life, uh, 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 you know, understand why some things happen. You could say it this way. You understand things by looking back but you live your life looking forward. Remember that. And then remember, don't become, uh, uh, don't, I, I, the, the, the point about the, the life of Zacchaeus that pretty much sums it up, and I kind of said this in different ways, but don't dwell on what you can't change, but do something different with what you have. Don't dwell on the things you can't change. Do something different with what you already have. Zacchaeus took his money and he said, I'm going to do something different with this. Instead of being known as someone who takes, I'm going to be known as someone who gives. Instead of being known as someone who always uh, is, is, is standing away from the things of God, I'm going to pursue the things of God. And the Bible says that really, you know, Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, but Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says that Jesus was looking for him. Jesus is always there in that place that you need to meet you when you're reaching out to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So use what you have. How many of y'all are going to remember that? When someone says, how do you not give up? I don't know how to not give up. How do you not give up? Use what you have. And you say, well, I need things to be different in my life. I only have this. Well, don't, uh, don't, don't uh, fret about the things you can't change, but use what you have in a different way. Use it in a different way. There's a different way to play your music. There's a different way to talk to your mama. There's a different way to act with your brother. You say, well, you know, this is just the way it is in my house. Well, the only way, the reason it's the way it is is you just haven't climbed the tree yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for those amens.
even in this young child, uh, you know, kid's school, whatever it is. So you anyway. could have said amen. So, are y'all ready? So how many of y'all say, I'm going to be a part of the people of God who are changing the world for Jesus? Amen. Prophecy that came forth about the next generation, this generation. Brother Hagen said, we're only one generation away from losing Pentecost. one generation away from losing faith one generation away from losing win the lost one generation away from losing teaching on healing only one generation there are actually churches today that are repenting to the world for having they're saying that they're repenting for, you know, being hypocrites, but this is what they put, you know, this is really letting the world identify who you are. Thank you. I got it. And they're, they're actually repenting for calling things sin that the Bible calls sin. They're repenting for having, a, a, really, one of the things they're saying is to have that they're only interested in conversion. Say, what? And this is supposed to be the trendy thing to do, to just kind of be so much like the world that the world doesn't have any, see any difference. We're not like the world. We have, the Bible says that we are a special people, a special breed. First Tim, Peter 2, 9 says, you're a holy nation. You're a chosen generation that you're called out of darkness into this marvelous light. And don't let anybody kid you. Listen, the world is crying out for people who will show them the light that gives an answer to sin, sickness, and disease that they have no answer for. They're waiting for you to tell them, Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, and he's doing it right, right, right now. now. Right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he said, we're one generation away. Every generation has to teach the next generation. I want to make sure that that's why we're carrying the torch of Pentecost around the world. Somebody's got to. That's why I'm carrying the torch of salvation. Only through the name of Jesus Christ alone can you be saved. That's why we're carrying the torch that we lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That there is healing in the Calvary cross. That's why I'm carrying the torch that says you can be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak at other times. Because you're only one generation away. One one, the responsibility that we have to put into our kids and our grandkids is life-changing for the whole world, how it's going to go. There are prophecies, yes, a hundred years, the revival, and we're in it right now. But what we're seeing is one time I gave an altar call and a four-year-old girl came down to the, to the altar with tears coming down her cheeks with her hands raised. Three or four. And someone looked at me and said, she doesn't know what she's doing. 
And I said, you don't see the tears going down her cheeks. She knows exactly what she's doing. There was one little, uh, one, uh, uh, little girl that was crippled. She was born crippled. And, and she'd sit and she'd visit with Jesus all the time. She was in a wheelchair, hunched over. She couldn't walk. Never had shoes. And one day she said, she said, Mommy, she said, I talked to Jesus the other night. And Jesus said he was going to visit me tomorrow. Would you buy me some shoes and put me in my chair in the living room? And so her mother put her in her chair in her living room, bought her some shoes. And she sat in her chair and she said, Jesus is supposed to visit me. And then all of a sudden, she felt the wind of the Holy Spirit come across her. A little girl crippled over in, in a chair. And all of a sudden she looked up. And there was the wind and there was the Spirit of God and Jesus came in. Touched her little body. She stood up straight. She said, Mommy, where are my shoes? And that lady went around the world telling others that God can do it. She was just a little girl. She used to sing, my God can do anything, anything, anything. My God can do anything. He made the earth with all its fullness and all the time shall bring. My God can do and that's what that's you have what to do. do. Each generation. It's not a matter of how old you are, kids. It's a matter of how perceptive you are. And how tender you are towards the things of God. That's what it's about. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish or die or go to hell. But should have eternal life. Let that consume your heart. Let that be your heartbeat. That's why you breathe. That's why you eat. That's why you drink. That's why you think. One little girl, she was in our meeting, and she had one of her eyes was deteriorating. <clears throat> she was a teenager, and the other eye had already deteriorated. And she, she came up, she was smiling, and she said, I believe what you said. I believe the words you said today. I believe I'll see. I said, okay. I laid hands on her. She went back. She said, by the time I got back to my seat, both of my eyes opened up. That's the Jesus we serve. He heals. He delivers. And he's doing it right now. And he saves. And he's doing it right now. There was one girl. And we... She was born again in our meetings, and she prayed in tongues in our meetings, and, and she had backslid, and she had gone off, and she came back to the Lord when she was like 18. And uh, she came to our meeting, and she said, I'm going to serve Jesus. And then I heard within two weeks, she was in a car wreck, and she died. He said, well, that's not a good story. Oh, it's a wonderful story, because everybody that came to her funeral got born again. And they said when they came to the car wreck, she had a CD playing in her car. It was Shekinah Glory.
And she said she started telling everybody she knew that Jesus forgives your sins and sets you free. And everyone at the funeral, all her friends came down and wept and cried and received Jesus. We've got something to tell people. Jesus is alive. And he lives through you. Isn't this wonderful? One little girl, she brought me her baby. She just had a baby. And, it had, and the doctor said, this baby's going to die. The hole's too big in his heart, her heart. And there's no hope. No operation, no hope. And I was at the hotel room. I was just at the hotel room. I think I had on a T. I think I was watching Sesame Street. Or Treehouse or something like that. I mean, I wasn't, you know, like, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. But God is inside of us. Jesus is in you. And she saw me come out and was packing the car. And this lady said, oh, I asked the Lord to show me where you were. Would you pray for my baby? And she shoved this baby into my hand, my arms. I said, okay. She said, my baby's going to die if it doesn't have a miracle. I said, your baby's not going to die. I called Lois out and, you know, Lois is getting dressed, which takes her four hours. And, and I pulled her away. I'm kidding. It takes us each three hours. So can you imagine what we would look like if we just came straight from the place? We don't even look all this great right now. Can you imagine what we'd look like without three hours? Anyway, and so what happened is she put the baby, and I said, Lois, come here. The baby's going to die. And Lois and I immediately, we were packing the van. The trunk was open. We'd been up late the night before. But Jesus is alive in us. We laid our hands on that baby. We said, heart, you be healed. Four or five years later, a lady, that same lady came up and she said, look what I have here. And it was a five-year-old kid. And the kid was going, hey, running around the church. Three more years. The kid's eight, running around the church. Three more years. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, three, eight, nine, ten. Okay, I didn't do too well in school, you guys. But don't you, you do good, okay? I love it. Uh, still running around the church. And that kid's a teenager and a witness and loves Jesus and worships God and is on her face. She's on her face. She's a teenager. And she gets on her face and goes, oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you. What do you want me to do? Isn't that wonderful? Jesus, he's alive, he saves, he heals, he delivers, and he'll do it right now. We taught Anna to say that. She's two years old. We taught her to say it. Kids, you say it. You said, but what if something happens and someone dies? I, I had someone who died. Listen, we're not God. But it doesn't mean we stop praying for each other. It doesn't mean we stop believing God. We don't know what's going on in their life. But we do know that Jesus lives. He's alive. And he's in you. When I was in school, I was the biggest soul winner in my school. The biggest one. I was the one who stood up for Christ. I was a singer. I sang. I had a record on the radio. I was very popular. 
And I would tell all my friends, some of them would drink, and I'd say, you need Jesus. You said, did that bother you? And I'd say, no. Did they turn you away? They called me in the night. And my mother would wake up and say, there's somebody on the phone for you that's crying. They wouldn't tell anybody else, but they'd call me. And they'd say, Cindy, pray for me. You're the only one. You're the only one I know that I can call. Out of a class of about four or 500 kids, they'd say, you're the only one I know who loves Jesus and who'll pray. You're the only one I know. It's cool, isn't it? That year, I was voted most talented, most popular, most school-spirited, most likely to succeed, most, most, most everything except for most scholastic. Do you know what that word means? I'm not even sure I understand what that word means. Most smart in school with, with books. I was not voted in that class because I wasn't that smart. <laughs> but I loved people. I loved everybody. I didn't care what color you were. I didn't care how old you were. I didn't care. I would go sit and eat with other people that nobody else ate with because they stank and they smelled and nobody would have anything to do with them. And me, I'd go sit and eat with them because I thought I am cool. So whenever I go to somebody else, it's going to make them cool. Because I have Jesus. In other words, I don't depend on someone else to make me. I'm going to help make you because I have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you're it. We're seated in heavenly places. We got it all. Now, we're humble before God, but we're bold with the devil. We say, you're a liar. You're not going to take my life. I'm going to serve. Isn't that neat? And love others. Hallelujah. It's a good day, isn't it? Take what you have. He said, I'm not very smart. Neither was I. But I sang. But let me tell you something. Let me make this perfectly clear. Music is not my life. Singing's not my life. If I never sang again, I'd still preach the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we go, oh, music's my life. Sports is my life. Uh, my uh, computer is my life. No, that's not your life. Christ is your life. Christ is your life. If I never sang another note, nobody would stop me from going to the world. And today, Shekinah Glory has a conference in Paris. And people come from all over the world. And I was five years old and I said, Jesus, come into my heart and send me to the nations. Is that cool? So what pray you prayed with Shelly, it will come to pass. How about you? What prayer did you pray? You have to always renew your commitment and keep it fresh and keep it alive. We were in a meeting, a Presbyterian church, and the whole church got spirit-filled. There was a young girl there. She was 13 years almost old. Almost 30 years ago. 
She was crippled. I didn't, I didn't even remember her. She came to a recent meeting of ours. She had braces and she was crippled. I, I don't even remember her. When she was young. When she was young. She came to our meeting and she got all our, our cassette tapes, records. You know what a record is? Anybody know what a record is? Like a big CD. So like a big CD. Have you ever seen a record? We still have some if you'd like one. It cost you $50 because they're very rare. Anyway, um, they're collector's items. But and we have cassette tapes. You remember? You know what a cassette tape is? Anybody remember that? My Lord, you remember? Praise God, honey, I love you. Okay, you remember what? It, yes, okay, a cassette tape. And so she'd play it over and over. And her parents were drug addicts, and they took away the tapes. And they took away her tape player, and she was crippled. She she couldn't hardly. She couldn't they hardly took move. away her Christian music. They took away all her Christian. They did music. not want her going. They forbid her to go to church. They were in and out of jail all the time. They said you can't go to church, and she'd sneak out. And and she, she had been in a Shekinah Glory meeting, and she got born again in spirit. Spirit filled. Thirty years later, she's in a service of ours. We haven't seen her almost thirty just, years. Just, just, just like a few she weeks. She comes walking up. She said. I mean, the only thing that you can see is a small deformity in one of her hands or muscle. She said she had no muscle in this arm. She has muscle there. She was wearing heels. She said, I want you to know. She said the healing power of God started working on me that night. And she said 13. from that night, she was 16. From 16. that night on, she began her braces. She began to be able to, 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 to her braces slowly but surely not use them. And they, they told her she would never have children. She's married to a missionary in Switzerland. She has a child. When she delivered her child in the hospital, the same nurse that delivered her, that knew that she was supposed to die, she, yeah, she said crippled. knew that she was supposed to be just a deformed baby, looked at her and she testified to her that Jesus heals, Jesus saves, saves Jesus, Jesus delivers, delivers and, and he's doing it right now. now. She had a friend who used to would always take her to church. Her friend was was would take her to church and then drop or go to a club. But she would always take her by the church. She met her friend at her at a reunion several years later, and her friend says, "I want you to know that I'm serving Jesus today because every time I took you to church, you talked about him the whole way there. I'd still go to the club, but I'd remember what you said." And she said, "I'm serving Jesus today because you told me about him." He's alive, kids. He's alive. He's alive. And he's living in you. Hallelujah. You know, if, if today when we were sharing about using what you have, not giving up, if the, if the Lord spoke to you in your heart and he said, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, John, I'm talking to you, Bill, I'm talking to you, Sarah, I'm talking to you, Mary. He's telling you, don't give up. And you heard a word from God today and you would like for Cindy to pray for you because what will happen is that word that you heard from God when you respond in obedience to it the anointing of God will work together with your obedience and help you to do what God wants you to do and if you say yeah I heard I heard you when you said that the Holy Spirit spoke to me told me I I just know that was what God wanted to tell me today I want you to just get out of your chair and come on down front. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, 
updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.